You are listening to the 3CR podcast of Encyclopedia. Encyclopedia is broadcast live every Sunday from 2 p.m. For more information, head to 3cr.org.au. Good afternoon and welcome to the program for your Sunday afternoon. Uh, thank you very much to Freedom of Species who will be back next week from 1pm. If you want to find out anything more about them uh, or about uh, any of the other shows that you hear on 3CR, head to the website 3cr.org.au. And while you're there, become a subscriber. Uh, it is Subscribe-a-thon at the moment and we need your support, your continued financial support to keep everything uh, going and growing. Uh, here at 3CR. So head to the website 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. Also just want to say a quick uh, hello to anybody that might be joining us on uh, on, uh, on on Facebook. We're on Facebook Live. So if you do feel like having a look at what radio looks like, it's a stupid thing to do, but you can do it. Um, so Facebook uh, Live, you can check that out. Uh, my name's Nick and on the show this afternoon, uh, we're going to be talking vaping. Uh, Ash, welcome. Afternoon. How are you uh- going? Yeah, good. I, I, I suppose you've got the back of your head to the Facebook people. I can actually give them away if anyone's <laughs> looking there. Uh, how's your week been? Oh, Hello. it's been good. <laughs> Look, yeah, we're going to be covering vaping this week, but just to acknowledge like the the awful continuing reports coming out of New South Wales in regard to their Sniffer Dog programs, we will be coming back to that, I think, probably the show after next. Um so we, we've got our eye on it. We're definitely paying attention. Um, for anyone who hasn't been aware, we're talking about quotas that have apparently existed for New South Wales police in terms of like how many strip searches they're uh, supposed to conduct, um, which is just an awful thing to have a mandated, you know, state-sanctioned, <laughs> such an awful state-sanctioned abuse of power. So we'll be coming back to that one in a future episode. Yeah, I've been listening through um, a few of the uh, old episodes as I've been putting up podcasts, uh, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast at uh, 3cr.org.au and the Encyclopedia program page. And, um, geez, we've got a lot to follow up on. <laughs> Nearly five years. In May, it's five years. Um, so as we said, this afternoon it is a vaping special and we've got a special guest on this afternoon, um, somebody who's um, turned his attention to this particular issue after a whole range of other issues, and I can't connect the dots, uh, John Safran, welcome to 3CR. Hey, how are you? Uh, good. Yep, yeah, yeah. I'm doing a book. So I'm researching a book at the moment on the future of smoking and looking at things like vaping because in a very piecemeal fashion, we're entering a new epoch and all over the world, uh, there's a lot of lobbying and uh, because new laws are going to kind of fall one way or the other when it comes to things like vaping and there's all these interested parties that kind of on a surface level seem to come from totally different sides of things. So you have the 3CR, uh, you know, uh, what, what, what do you call what, what, you know, you know, like the, the people who just think they're, you know, there should be harm reduction and freedom and stuff. So, it, so it's almost, for want of a better word, a, kind of a lefty, a progressive type thing. But then you've got like big companies who also have their interests in it, you know, including like tobacco companies or whatever. So... It's you know a lot of strange bedfellows in you know fighting the one issue and sometimes on the same side. So it's kind of interesting to poke my nose into. Is that what drew your attention to it? Just this kind of crazy world of all these diverse characters coming from different angles. Yeah, yeah, that was that was definitely one of it. And then also just because uh, it seems to be what I mean, 
little sections of it are like really reported thoroughly, whether you probably think in a bad way, but like things like the vape crisis in America, like that's really reported. But outside of that, uh, and th- th- like there's so many other issues involved and it's really just not being covered, which is kind of weird seeing how consequential it's going to be. So for mm. instance, to say uh, in Australia over the therapeutic goods administration they're currently deciding whether heat not heat not burn devices which ultimately will only be come from big companies you know mm. they, it's not like they you know the the cool 3cr vape kids will be able to build those <laughs> in, their, in their garage or whatever so uh, uh, at the moment it's like the, either they're going to be accepted or not accepted by the therapeutic goods administration and you know, one way of looking at it is it's like for, for the big tobacco companies, it, this is going to be a decisive thing of whether they can continue, you know, as, mm. you know, as, as cigarettes become, uh, I mean, they're already pretty taboo and there's all sorts of restrictions. So th- this is a bit of, this is, a, is a, a strategy, one of their strategies for keeping alive. And yeah, but yet you type, you know, I, I, haven't, I, I haven't read any articles <laughs> about, you know, how... Uh, you know what's going to happen with these heat not burn products and uh, 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 therapeutic goods administration. It is. Um, I, I've been following the, the vaping issue for about a decade now, and it's been a, a strange thing as it's uh, gone along because I've watched uh, submissions to the therapeutic goods uh, administration uh, to have nicotine rescheduled and to uh, have e-cigarettes registered as therapeutic devices because TGA is all about therapeutic devices. So. Every time that something's had to, some somebody's had to put forward a proposal to the TGA, it's always been um, an e-cigarette as almost like a health device, and I think that's what's bothered the TGA. But at the same time, tobacco sits outside of every every other drug that's regulated, so we've kind of kind of got these like parallel systems going alongside each other. And we, on one hand, we've got this kind of prohibition mentality where we want uh, absolute abstinence uh, for other drugs, but with tobacco, we're kind of like, well, well it's there. But then the big players uh, in public health want to see tobacco abstinence in the future. So then in the in the middle, that's where we where smokers now kind of get stuck. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's really odd. It's yeah, an odd it's, issue. Yeah, because I've never really looked into science and the law before. It just hasn't really been my area. I, I find it really interesting how I just assumed there'd be more coherence around things <laughs> like the law and and also more things more definitive about science. So, for instance, I'll give you an example. Like, what's the definition of smoke? Uh, well, well, yeah. <laughs> when, when does something go from being uh, a vapour with smoke constituents and when does that cross the line into being smoke? And that, and that's a real vital thing, a definition, because uh, with some of these devices, they're claiming these are smoke-free. And so, and then that's going to affect legislation and but like like it's, it, it, even something like that is murky and the same with the law from what i understand and keep in mind i'm coming into this as a what do you call it when you're an idiot layman <laughs> layman layman <laughs> not an idiot a layperson but uh, <laughs> the, the, a lot of the laws or the regulations around vaping around the world and in australia too is their hangovers from things that were in place before vaping was even a thing. Mm. So, for instance, a nicotine, liquid nicotine is banned 
is, is prohibited to uh, sell in Australia. But that's not because the government got together 18 months ago and said, oh, hang on, there's all these vape shops or whatever. It's got a long tail that's got to do with banning liquid nicotine for some other reason before vapes were even a thing. Mm. Yet that law has carried over to vaping. And, yeah, it's really uh, piecemeal, I guess, is, is the word. So, you know, like, yeah, in the case of vaping, mm. you, you can buy... You, you can legally order liquid nicotine from New Zealand as an Australian, but you can't buy it as an Australian in Australia. And then and you, it, you can go into a vape shop and buy both a vape device and also uh, liquid without nicotine, but you can't buy the nicotine. But, <laughs> but then you're allowed to, whilst in the shop or walk out of the shop, get onto a, like a website and... And order the nicotine. Frequently uh, from the same company. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's just <laughs> odd. And now it's even getting down to states are having uh, different laws, which makes mm. it even... We're, we're sort of like the logic behind why why the, the government is deciding on things. So in some, they're deciding that it's worse if the people go into the shop. So therefore, you have to only order it online. But mm. I think I think that's not the logic in all of them. It's very yeah. confusing. I mean, for for people like, I guess, myself and Nick and, and some of our other guests today that are proponents of these devices, um, that creates this really uh, sort of perverse system where people that are savvy, all, all your trendy hipsters have access to a device that may benefit their health and the people with the least access to information, to the internet, ah. to having a credit card to be able to do that ah, are the ones that are still stuck on smoking. It's a, it's a really perverse yeah that's that's, that's really true sensing. yeah like if you're if you're old and you're on cigarettes you're going to be more comfortable pro- probably or with the yeah. idea of walking into a shop well and, 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 and especially and if that yeah. shop doesn't exist and you don't have somebody to walk you through it like i mean it's bizarro land out there there's so much to to understand without somebody to help explain it to you oh yeah there's even like all this decoding that has to be done if you're a person who wants yeah, to get even the vape devices, you have to go into the shop and know, this is at least in some states, it's, mm-hmm. it's different in different states, but in some states, you have to know that the person behind the counter isn't allowed to prompt you about anything, mm-hmm. yep. and you have to be the person who brings it up. So it's like it's more complicated than yep. like like walking up to someone at a nightclub and trying to work out sort of what what you say first and not and what they say and what and you know and even though they're saying this they actually mean that yeah so I, I went into one vape shop I can't even remember the city or whatever and and the only thing they're allowed to display are things like the plugs like, like you know, the plugs yeah. that that you then plug into the vape device it's like oh, this, right. it's like it's like this odd this odd yeah this odd, odd sort of like Bizarre. Uh, you get these regulations that are, are so so dense on how exactly you're to set up and um, and administer your business. It, it just gets really ridiculous. Um, we've got a lot to cover in this yeah. vaping special, and we've got a few other uh, uh, experts to, to prompt us along the way. Other um, experts, really, really. Some people, <laughs> people, people live with some more experts. expertise than me. <laughs> so we will have Doctor Colin. Hard to uh, believe. Dr. Colin Mendelson from the Australian Tobacco Harm Reduction Association uh, up shortly. Ash, was that a hand finger? gesture no uh, no 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 it's 3cr in psychedelia hi my name's pilar aguilera and i'm 3cr's chairperson i'm urging you to become a 3cr subscriber we need to keep independent radical dissenting voices on air social change doesn't just happen we need to nurture it 
we desperately need to hear alternative ideas that allow us to organise, build community and change the systems that continue to oppress us and destroy the planet. Put your money where your mouth is. Become a member. Subscribe today. Don't have a million dollars and still want to have a good education for your kid? Tune into the Dogs Program. We are the defenders of government schools. 12pm on Saturdays here on 3CR. 855 and AM Dial podcast streaming live on 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital. We defend government schools because they need it. Joining us this afternoon on Encyclopedia for our vaping special special is uh, Dr. Colin Mendelson, a tobacco uh, expert in um, uh, quitting and tobacco harm reduction, and one of the members of the Australian Tobacco Harm Reduction Association. Welcome back to the show, Colin. Thank you, Ash. I think we caught up with you last, right at the beginning of the United States quote vaping health ec- epidemic. The the um, the one that's caused international news, known as Avali. Um, and I think your advice at the time was to avoid uh, vaping THC products and yeah. um, if you're already using vaping, to continue as is. And I think that's been uh, borne out by the evidence. Do you want to give us an update on that um, health epidemic, on what we currently know? Yeah, so Ivali is a serious lung illness um, due to vaping black market uh, THC or cannabis oils, um, which were contaminated with vitamin E acetate. There have been no cases linked to nicotine vaping. Look, and we knew that from quite early on, and ASRA actually came out in August and said, look, this appears to be nothing to do with regular vaping. Um, but there, there have been subsequently 64 deaths in the US, um, but the epidemic is uh, declining. It peaked in September, and it's, uh, as people have become more aware, there's really only a handful of people each week that are dying now, but still far too many, but it's, it's, it's clearly on the decline. But the problem is that the, the epidemic was exploited by anti-vaping groups that deliberately confused the poisoning from these street drugs with nicotine vaping. So this led to people moving away from vaping and there was a big decline in Australia. Um, Vape shops have reported and I'm sure there have been fewer people who have switched from smoking to vaping and um, and I'm sure some vapors have gone back to smoking because of that misinformation, which was pretty clear from early on, but unfortunately it's uh, that narrative got out and uh, um, it's, it's had harmful consequences. How much of that do you think was, you know, I guess, sinister intent and how much just the media kind of being a bit ignorant about these topics? Yeah, look, I I think it's a bit of both. Um, I I think it was handled very badly by health authorities um, in the US and in Australia. And, of course, that sort of story um, is lapped up by the media. So in the the US, for example, the CDC uh, that was really in control of this whole thing they were very slow to identify and make clear that THC was the problem. And they kept implying that it could be nicotine vaping. And, of course, the media jumped on that and there were all these sensational headlines. Um, and, but I think from quite early on, it was clear that wasn't the case. And I think, one, I think part of the narrative here is that they exploited this to undermine vaping, which was something they were opposed to. 
Um, and, and it's been the same in Australia. The, even the health department still has uh, an update on its website from September warning people about the, the risks of vaping and this lung disease without making it clear that it's nothing to do with nicotine vaping. Um, the AMA has been talking about it, Quit Victoria, certain public health figures have been milking this and I really think they have been exploiting it um, you know, increasingly as we've known, it's nothing to do with nicotine vaping. You've been really on the front foot with this through ATHRA and through the media. Has that had an effect on organisations like the AMA that presumably have a responsibility to look at the evidence? You would hope so, wouldn't you? Uh, but not really. Um, and it's the, the health department and the chief medical officer who was behind it still have on the federal health website uh, this very outdated advice. Um, the AMA and Quit Victoria, none of those organisations that um, promoted this misinformation have come out and corrected it. And that's very disappointing because it suits their narrative because mm. they're opposed to vaping. So they're going to, unfortunately, exploit something that even isn't uh, valid um, to, to push their argument. Maybe we can come back a little bit later on um, exactly why they're so uh, dead against vaping. But let's talk about something a bit more positive. Um, the Royal Australian College of GPs recently released a report and updated their advice for um, general practitioners on prescribing nicotine for people who want to use vaping as a quitting tool. Could you explain a little bit about what that means and um, how significant that is? Yeah, look, this is a major breakthrough for vaping in Australia. So currently in Australia, all of the health authorities, the health and medical organisations, health charities, are stubbornly opposed to vaping, except for the psychiatrists. Now, the College of GPs is the peak professional body of general practitioners, and every few years they, they update their smoking cessation guidelines and they look very carefully at all the research on vaping, its safety, effectiveness and all the, the risks. And they concluded that um, when patients come to their doctor to quit smoking, vaping is a legitimate treatment if people have tried other things and can't quit and they ask a doctor about it. So basically said, look, it's okay for the doctor to recommend this as a second-line treatment, which is usually how most people use it. Usually people try it lots of times. If they ask the doctor, the doctor can recommend it. And that's a big breakthrough because GPs have always been very anxious about talking about vaping because the health authorities haven't endorsed it. Um, so they should be more comfortable now that they've got this reassurance from the college and they should be more willing to write nicotine prescriptions, which is what people need to vape legally in Australia. Do you think this is a reflection of the fact that a lot of people have been going to their GPs to, to ask about it? Yeah, look, we get a lot of inquiries at ATRA about this. People say, look, I want to vape, I want to vape legally, how can I get a prescription? And what we tell them is, look, go to your GP and ask. If the GP wants more information, we will send them instructions on how to write a script for nicotine, more information on vaping for GPs. But very few GPs will, in the past, have written scripts or been willing to talk about it. And look, they are poorly informed. Mm. I mean, we know they get most of their information from the media, like, like most people. And um, now, hopefully, they'll be more willing to find out more. And that's actually trying to arrange 
uh, educational sessions for GPs and workshops and seminars to upskill them because they need that. But I think I think patients also have a role. So if you're a vapor, I think you should go to your GP and say, look, ask for a script and say, you know, as you know, the college now supports vaping. Or if you're a smoker, um, you know, you can ask your GP to discuss it and make sure that they're aware and ask us to send them information if they would like to know more. Right, so you, so that's something that you can do for GPs that might be a bit cautious just because they don't know much about it. Well, exactly. We've, we've written a lot of articles for GPs, but there's been very little uptake because it hasn't been endorsed by their health uh, associations. But, but now, hopefully, they'll be more willing to, to look at it because we know it's more effective than nicotine replacement. We know it's, it's far safer than smoking, and, and there's nothing... No, you know, the evidence is, is very clear now. So has, has much changed in the evidence base over the last year? Is there any emerging risks or is it all just continuing to stack up to show that it has significantly less harm? Look, yeah, one thing we're certain about is that mice shouldn't vape. So that, that is a key concern from a lot of the research. So yes, they do sell studies and they do studies in little rodents and they find these problems. But, you know, uh, most of that does not translate to humans. And the evidence from research in humans is, you know, giving us more and more confidence that vaping is much safer than smoking. It's not risk-free and it's not recommended for non-smokers. But if you're a smoker who switches to vaping, you will have substantial health improvements, substantially less exposure to, to chemicals. You'll save a lot of money. Um, I mean, a couple of big studies that have come out recently, one last week found that uh, women who vape in pregnancy have a normal weight baby compared to smokers. Oh, that's, and that's interesting. Big. That's really important because smoking women in pregnancy have small babies and that leads to all sorts of problems with the baby in childhood and often in later, later in life. So that's a huge, uh, huge um a point of evidence to have been shown. And the other big study recently, the Vesuvius study, found that there are uh, cardiovascular health in human subjects improves rapidly after switching from smoking to vaping. I mean, again, it's not about changes in cells or what happens to mice. This was studies in humans. It was a big and good and well, you know, highly regarded study. So we're seeing more and more evidence, I guess, to support our, our, our um, recommendations that, that people could switch to vaping and, and do much better. That's Dr Colin Mendelson that you're hearing there. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855am on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. And joining us on the line now, we have Brian Marlowe, the head of the Legalise Vaping Australia campaign, who have been pushing this issue uh, in advocacy spaces for um, a couple of years now. Welcome back to the show, Brian. Good day, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. So how have things been going with legalised vaping? Uh, 2020 has actually been pretty good for us in terms of advocacy-wise. Uh, obviously, you spoke briefly about, you know, the Avali stuff that was happening in America, and that sort of took a big hit on the Australian vaping industry. Uh, but in terms of campaign-wise, uh, for legalised vaping in Australia, people are going, uh, things are going quite well. So we're actually running a Senate petition at the moment. Uh, we have over 10,000 signatures for the Senate petition and we only unveiled that last week. So people here in Australia are clearly agitated and want to see some action on this issue. 
uh, and things seem to be ticking along in that respect. Yeah, it, uh, just sort of following the, the online spaces where uh, vapors kind of hang out, they definitely seem more committed and motivated than I've seen in the past. Yeah, that's correct. Um, something that I'm not sure of that maybe you can fill us in on, what's happening in South Australia? Yeah, so currently in South Australia, uh, previously there was a move to, to crack down on online sales. Uh, and as a result, you saw a lot of the vaping industry uh, actually pick up sticks and move out of South Australia. Uh, I'm not entirely sure why the South Australian government wanted to, to take that move. Presumably, they thought that somehow that would prevent uh, access by youth. But when you actually look at the, the stats and figures with vapors uh, in Australia, you're looking at less than a quarter of a percent that are, that are underage that actually, actually access vaping products. So it's, it's, you know, it's part and parcel of like another hand-fisted approach by government to take action on a product that they don't understand uh, and don't know how to legislate. And as John mentioned before, a lot of the legislation they have is for older products that they've just applied to these new products. So they've applied like a 20th century logic to a 21st century product, if that makes sense. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I, th- I think since um, we last had you on, Legalized Vaping conducted a survey uh, of vapors. Can you tell us a little bit about what what that uncovered about the kinds of people that are vaping in Australia? Yeah, so we, we wanted to get a better understanding of what vapors in Australia look like. Uh, there's, massive, there's a mass amount of data uh, overseas, uh, but when you talk to regulators here, they want to hear about actually Australian case studies. So we surveyed over 3,300 Australian vapors, uh, and what we found is that a lot of the numbers here match what the evidence is that's coming out of the UK. So when you look at, you know, underage vapors, you're looking at around a quarter of a percent. When you're looking at, uh, you know, people that have progressed from, say, vaping to smoking, you're looking at statistical anomalies that, that, that barely exist. In terms of when you look at the age breakdown of vapors, the majority of them, like more than a third are between 35 to 44. Uh, so you're not talking about this, you know, youth vaping epidemic that public health bureaucrats like to point to because it doesn't actually exist when you actually examine the evidence. Yeah, right. Well, I, I mean, we, we sort of know this already and I feel like we're going round and round with this issue. Um, as, as we were talking with um, John a bit earlier, uh, looking back, there's been successive uh, efforts to uh, change the regulated sta- uh, status of either the e-cigarette device by itself or nicotine as well. And we see the same arguments popping up um, again and again. I mean, it, mu- it must be frustrating uh, because you've been doing this for a number of years. Do you feel like there's a... There's progress. Am I missing something from this picture? Uh, I mean, look, it, it, it's one of those things where I must admit, uh, when we first started this campaign, I was quite naive. I thought, oh, this will take a few months. And, you know, the logic makes sense. If we can access products with children and say long-term users, then why can't we access these products? Surely regulators will get out of the way and, and do what needs to be done, uh, which unfortunately I was wrong about. And there have been some downturns uh, from the knock-on effect from all of the news that came out of America uh, where people were buying illicit THC vape. Uh, that had a flow-on effect to actual properly produced nicotine and non-nicotine vape. But there is a silver lining. The vaping community in Australia is much more active than they've ever been. Uh, you know, everyday vapers who tend to be working-class people and don't tend to get very politically active. They're actually starting to do that now uh, and 
you know, the most recent example is referring back to the petition. I mean, in just over a week, we've got 10,000 signatures to our Senate petition. Uh, and once we have enough numbers, we'll be presenting that to the Senate to try and make some moves on vaping in Australia. This is in Psychedelia on 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, and uh, streaming on Facebook, um, trying this out. So if you are watching along on Facebook, leave us a comment. Um, we are watching along there and uh, would like uh, any feedback that you might have. Uh, in the studio with us is uh, John Safran, who is uh, researching a book on the vaping community. Um, and you've been um, around Australia and to other parts of the world. And, um, you, I mean, you're hearing from the from the community here as well on, on this show, but... Um, What's been your impression of this uh, disparate community? Uh, yeah, it's kind of uh, fascinating to look into, like as a sort of as an anthropologist, as an amateur anthropologist, because I guess with a lot of subcultures, they've been around for so long, you at least have your stereotypes about them. While this vaping subculture, and it's actually I wasn't subcultures, tip my fedora, but... yeah, or subcultures, I guess, but. It's sort of so new, even like the stereotypes in play, you know, like what actually is, is if you were a stand-up comedian to, and who wanted to do some shtick about vapors, it's like, uh, are they hipsters? Are they, are they bogans? Are they, you know, or, you know, who, who are they? And I actually did a little experiment for my book, which I thought, because uh, I was trying to get my head around, what, what are the preconceptions about vapors? So, you know, that website Fiverr? Where you oh, can, yeah. we can like hire people for just different tasks or whatever. Yeah, so like I just, videos and audio. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I got, I, I typed in like stand up comedians and, <laughs> and I went to like three stand up comedians and asked them to, I said, I'll oh, listen, yeah, I want material on vapors because I wanted to see what, like, what the stereotype of a vapor was. But yeah, it, it didn't really, it didn't really help, like, because they all, all their material was about, Sorry to be offensive. This isn't me saying it. This was it. Was yeah. was, was about them being, them being dupes. So basically, right. so all, all of it, most most of the jokes were about how these people are just moving on to something that is as dangerous as uh, as cigarettes. And uh, yeah, I, so I imagine all these the, the three stand up comedians. So, so they weren't Australian. I think one was New Zealand and two were American. That I think you know, I got the impression they must have. Jewel is always in the news, and of uh, you know they like that. That's the uh, that's the click material that's made it to the top of the feed. Or is kids with their uh, lung problems? So that that's probably why their their jokes are and their stero- then the stereotype of vape is like their dupes who are just c- going into something that's as dangerous well, as smoking. I, I don't. I, I think that's a purposeful stereotype that's been put out there by the uh, the the anti vaping but sort of anti smoking but they want it all at once um, people. Uh, I was listening to uh, uh, 774 ABC a couple of months back and um, one of the main campaigners, whose name Simon Chapman, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, was on, on air talking with them. And that was because there were some callers that called up and said, um, no, 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 we found vaping really helpful. And the first thing he did was jump to accusing them of being dupes for working for the tobacco company. And I was very frustrated because the <laughs> presenter agreed with them and they moved on. It was not looked into at all. At all. It was a critical eye. There was no critical eye applied. It was just sort of assumed that because it's related to tobacco, it must be dodgy. Well, it, and that's... It's, a very, it's a very skin deep criticism that is made as well, because, because as John's mentioned, you, you can't really typecast a vapor. So there's a meme out there that, you know, a vapor's wearing a swag cap or something like that. But when you actually look at the age breakdown, I mean, it's it's people of all ages from about the age of 25 and up. Uh, and it's 
a lot of them are working class people, but they come from all kinds of different backgrounds and they come from all types of different professional backgrounds as well. So you can't really cut cut. So, but it's very easy to just go, they're just a shill or they're just a ploy for big tobacco because people naturally don't like tobacco companies. Uh, but that only works for so long. And eventually the vaping community gets sick of it and they start pushing back. So you, you have been speaking with politicians, regulators all around the country, Brian. Um, have you started to win any people over behind the scenes? Because, you know, we know with this kind of stuff, like often it's that work that happens very slowly behind the scenes that leads to some kind of change. Are you seeing some shifts there? Are you getting meetings where maybe you, you, people had closed doors? Yeah, I mean, I'll admit immediately as a flow on from what happened in America, things paused for probably about five to six months. Uh, but that, you know, meeting with MPs and actually starting to make some ground is starting to happen all over again. Uh, the Senate petition, for instance, that we're running at the moment, uh, we're not running that because we just felt like running a Senate petition. There are reasons why we're doing that. Uh, and I can't obviously go into detail on that because it's a private discussion with numerous MPs. Uh, but you know, this campaign has been going for a while uh, and it's off the back of all the support that the vaping community gives to us. Uh, so we wouldn't be doing these sorts of things unless we felt that there was an appropriate reason to do so. And if people want to sign that uh, Senate petition, where should they go? Just legalisevaping.com.au forward slash petition. All right. Thanks for joining us on the show, Brian. Thank you. Uh, Brian Marlowe is from? Uh, Legalised Vaping Australia, who have been campaigning on this for a while. You may have seen them at uh, various by-elections and um, sort of political things going on in their their big legalised vaping truck, uh, sort of pushing that issue as in as many ways as possible. This is in Psychedelia on 3CR, and we're talking all things vaping this afternoon. If you do have any comments or uh, anything you want to add to the program, you can put it on the Facebook live feed, or if you're on Twitter, you can tweet at us, and we'll do that. I'm not going to answer the phone because we're using the phone. Uh, so those are the two ways you can do it, unless you have some kind of hidden ESP ability. Uh, we, no, you don't. Uh, it's 3CR. Hi, my name's Pilar Aguilera, and I'm 3CR's chairperson. I'm urging you to become a 3CR subscriber. We need to keep independent, radical, dissenting voices on air. Social change doesn't just happen. We need to nurture it. We desperately need to hear alternative ideas that allow us to organise, build community and change the systems that continue to oppress us and destroy the planet. Put your money where your mouth is. Become a member. Subscribe today. In psychedelia, 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. That's where you can go and do it. Um, that petition as well for the, the legalised vaping petition, uh, again, uh, legalisedvaping.com.au is the website. If you are on Facebook, uh, Facebook, then you will find links to everything uh, that you want to find from this show uh, there. Now, I've just got a little outtake. As I said, I've been going through our podcast archive. We've got about 250 episodes um, under our belt, and only less than half of those are up, but I am adding uh, more all the time and coming across some uh, little tidbits of uh, uh, information along the way that I'd forgotten about. So about two years ago, 2018, 2018 September, what was that, two years ago? Year and a half. Year and a half ago, um, we caught up with, we actually had another vaping special. Uh, we had a vaping special with a number of uh, people from different organisations. Again, we had the Australian Tobacco Harm Reduction Association's uh, Stephen Elsom. I'm not sure if he's still with them at the moment, um, but at that time there was just one comment uh, that I thought was, uh, well, I thought it's, it's sort of at the crux of this issue. Essentially, all adopting this 
um, what's so called precautionary approach, um, saying that we simply don't know enough about the safety of vaping or e-cigarettes, as I keep referring to them, um, and that we should therefore wait until we know more. But uh, the whole problem with that sort of approach, of course, is that um, they're looking at the risks of e-cigarettes or vaping, but they're not looking at the risks of not supporting e-cigarettes or vaping. And the, the obvious risk is that smokers who would have converted to what is universally accepted as a much safer form and of nicotine consumption are denied that opportunity, so they keep smoking. So that's you know the lost opportunity there. From our last vaping special in September 2018, you can find it on the podcast, uh, 3cr.org.au or in psychedelia.org. Um, and it's curious because I, I had a question for uh, Colin, uh, Dr. Colin Mendelson um, on uh, two, two organisations in uh, Victoria which have been uh, staunch opponents of any um, regulation of nicotine or of, uh, of vaporisers is Quit Victoria and Cancer Council, sort of automatic good guys because they're getting rid of, you know, bad things, cancer and smoking. Um, but uh, I, I was curious as to the uh, discussion in public health about um, expected levels of behaviours. What, what kind of discussions uh, are there going on in that, in that sort of uh, public health setting? Yeah, look, we know that there's... there's yeah, that is the main underlying argument for the opposition, that, look, we don't know enough about this, we're not really sure, best, not, best to wait until we have more evidence... Now that really is doesn't work with smoking because what we know with smoking is that two out of three people will die who continue to smoke, to die prematurely from their smoking. You've got to weigh that risk up, which is huge and, and an immediate risk and, and a proven risk against the small and potential risks from vaping. And we don't know everything about vaping, but we know a lot and we know enough to know that um, you know, according to the Royal College of Physicians, long-term vaping is likely to be no more than 5% of the risk of smoking. And, and you've got to look at the risks and the benefits, and the precautionary principle doesn't argue on that basis for delaying the introduction of vaping. It's clearly going to have an advantage. Could you explain to us the TGA application that's happened mm. from Philip Morris International, what the significance yeah. of that is and, and how you see these heat-not-burn products in the realm of tobacco harm reduction? Yeah, look, uh, so heat-not-burn products uh, are generally uh, a little processed tobacco stick that you put into an electric heating device and when you draw on the, the tobacco stick, you heat the tobacco to a point a temperature below where it burns, so about 300 degrees to 350, and that releases nicotine and some of the, the chemicals uh, in the um, from the tobacco. So you breathe that in, and it's, it's like a smoking experience, but there's no smoke, there's no combustion. And we know that almost all the harm from smoking is due to combustion. And the independent research, there's been lots of tobacco industry research, but the independent research also shows that the vapour from these products is far less toxic than from smoking. So it qualifies as a valid harm reduction option. People who switch will be much better off. And, and we support that as an option. I mean, we need a range of options because different things suit different people. A lot of people like vaping. Some like and, uh, nicotine pouches that you put in your mouth, snooze-type products. Um, but heated tobacco products... Um, are preferred 
by other people. And we, you know, I think it's important that we have uh, a range of choices that will suit different people. I mean, they're all made by the tobacco companies, and we hate the tobacco companies as much as anyone, but we hate cancer and heart disease and emphysema more. And I think if people, if tobacco companies switch to a much safer alternative, I, I think it's, it's a win for everyone. So, and I think the important implication too is if the government approves it, so what PMI has asked is that these products are just available as consumer products. In other words, that they come off the poisons list and just available on the market like cigarettes, which are much more harmful. If they're allowed to be widely available, um, if that happens, it'll be very hard for the government to justify uh, a ban on vaping, which is actually less risky and, and also more popular. Well, it was only um, only a few uh, years ago, uh, Colin, that um, the uh, TGA had a submission before it to reschedule nicotine. It was a pretty, uh, from what, what my understanding of the reading was, a pretty conservative uh, uh, request to, to uh, move certain yeah. kinds of nicotine uh, made specifically for a vaporizer device that is specifically for yeah. tobacco harm reduction, but it got yeah. knocked back uh, on a, yeah. a huge list of uh, list of things, yeah. and we don't yeah. know who the submi- uh, submitters were either, because the only one who had a name was Clive Bates. I mean, have we have we moved anywhere in the past three years uh, in terms of? Well, no, we know we know who submitted that. That was New Nicotine Alliance, and I was also very involved in helping to write that that submission. But uh, um, but yeah, we were just asking for nicotine liquid up to a certain strength to be available under certain circumstances for people to switch from smoking to vaping. It was, but, but we came up against that ideological barrier that, that you know, the government has decided that yeah, people should just quit. They don't want to go down that pathway of harm reduction. Uh, there's lots of political considerations and vested interests and financial considerations, moral issues. And you know, they threw all these objections at it. And look, we had to try, but... Unfortunately, that didn't pass. But you know, I think it's going to be very hard for them to deny uh, heart tobacco, tobacco harm reduction with heat not burn, which has been widely used now in over 50 countries and it is um, you know, proving to be very popular and successful. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. That's on my Academia. pleasure. Thank you, Ash. Thank you for asking me. Dr Colin Mendelson uh, from the Australian Tobacco Harm Reduction uh, Alliance uh, Association. Afra.org.au yeah. is the website, um, and they have a huge plethora of resources um, about not just um, nicotine vaping, but all sorts of consumption of nicotine in all uh, different flavors and uh, and sizes. But it's also a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, resources on uh, on health, on how to quit smoking, uh, on um, yeah, just go check out well, the website. Really they've got really good information. If you do want to speak to your doctor, as Colin was saying, like they've got good information there that you can take to your doctor. It's written by health professionals for health professionals, and um, they can also provide advice for doctors on exactly how they go about writing a prescription for nicotine. In Psychedelia on 3CR, um, 855 AM. We're also on Facebook Live right now. And please subscribe, 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. Uh, it helps to keep us on the air. Um, do you know that... Uh, no, I can't read that. I'm looking up at the wall with the bright coloured pictures and it's like, in, it's instructional. It's not like, read it straight away. Um, that's just too much information for you. Uh, we're sitting here talking about vaping, uh, vaping nicotine uh, with uh, John Safran in the studio. And John, um, in I think it was December last year, you went over uh, to our progressive neighbours across the Tasman. 
to see what they're doing with uh, vaping. The, yeah, the Vape Expo. Was, in Auckland? Yeah, in Auckland. It was... Yeah, no, it was lots of fun. There were uh, nicotine toothpicks there. So <laughs> I, I think the point of that, or one of the points at least, is that if you're on a plane, uh, so you can have it between your you know, your teeth and it can hold you, hold you over until the plane oh, lands and you can bring out your little vape machine. But I just, I'm, I'm a very chewy person. Like, for instance... And my, my whole life, like since primary school, I just chew biros and mm. I really like it. And I chew, look, I'm even chewing little rolled up bits of things here. It's just my thing, right? So it wasn't really, it wasn't good to get me around the, the nicotine toothpicks because in, you know, like, like 20 minutes, I sort of like chewed through about 20 of them. <laughs> were, you, were you getting I was the buzzing around shakes? the Yeah, I was, yeah, I was buzzing around the X, but I really like, you know, I really liked it. I, I don't, I've never been addicted to nicotine ever like over my life you know i've just socially every so often i've tried it tried out um you know like just like at a party had a cigarette or something to try but it's never it's never taken Mm. and i I thought for this book it'd be kind of cool you know if i got addicted to something but i'm finding it really hard i've I've tried (laughs) not (laughs) even the not even the toothpicks did it well the toothpicks did it for a while but the best i can do is i can get addicted to nicotine for like whatever a day so after so i was kind of slightly freaking out after the toothpicks were taken away and i was like what do i do now what do i do now but then then next thing i know it's two days later and i'm just i haven't thought about it that was the same the first time i uh i uh, i vaped uh it really hit me because i'm really bad at inhaling so all the times i've ever tried to smoke a cigarette i don't think it's actually got in there like, it's just like hung around my mouth or whatever but there's something about the vape where it could actually i could take it down so i was like feeling it in my veins in my arms i was really i was bust i was like oh my god this is great this is great this is great this is great and then but then again the next thing i knew it was like two days later and suddenly i just hadn't thought about it again yeah, maybe so you're immune to addiction there yeah so maybe if anyone can recommend how i can get addicted to something to make my book better it would be really good well, you could follow the nick naylor from thank you for smoking uh, the movie uh, method uh when he got the the terror if you've seen the movie these uh sort of tobacco terrorists turn up in a van and they steal this uh, tobacco lobbyist away and just cover him in in nicotine patches. <laughs> uh, something I, I actually discovered um, while I was uh, uh, just investigating um, vaping a little bit was that you can purchase more uh, a level of nicotine from the aisles of Safeways or Coles or Woolworths or Coles um, that is... A lethal amount if you were to eat them all at once all these patches at once which would be a very stupid thing to do but it would kill you um and those were just on the aisles not any special protection not behind a pharmacy or anything like that yet we sit in a situation where uh nicotine uh if you have nicotine you don't have a prescription then the state authorities might get you i know earlier we were saying that you can uh import it which is true you can import nicotine um but then the state uh, still has a ban on nicotine so if a police officer decides, it's really, it's it's <laughs> unlikely to happen, but if a police officer did decide to, they could fine you um, for using a vape. And I've noticed that a lot of venues are banning the use of uh, vapes entirely, uh, even not allowing them to come in uh, to events. So Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it is interesting how everything's up in, up in the air about what, what, what's the regulations. Yeah, as you say, even a small business, do they, are you allowed to... Uh vape or not i know I, I, when i was in new zealand for this vape conference i also went to hobbiton to mm. the hobbit uh tour and they said no smoking on the tour and so i just thought seeing 
you know, what my book's about. I said to him, I said to the dude, I go, oh, can I vape or can, you know, can, and he said, I don't know. <laughs> so no one knows. Not even the Such Hobbit of, Hob- of, of Hobbiton knows what the, what the rules and regulations are around vaping in Hobbiton. Uh, on the line now. We have Stu, the owner of Wick and Wire Vaping Store. And um, actually, I'm not quite sure his role, but he, he might be the secretary of the new Australian uh, Retail Industry Vaping Association, which I probably got all wrong. Um. <laughs> you can correct us. Welcome to the show, Stu. Hi, how are you doing? Good. Um, did, did I get that right? I, I kind of mangled the name of the new new industry body. Could you explain a little bit about what that is and tell us the correct name? Yeah, I guess, look, uh, you've met Brian from Legalised Vaping Australia. Uh, that's that whole uh, consumer advocacy body. Uh, but the industry as such, uh, whether you're a manufacturer, retailer, uh, wholesaler, has never really had a body. And uh, I guess that's where uh, the ARA or Australian Retailers Association decided to, I guess, come to the party and, and form Avia. And uh, stands. And from there, that was launched uh, back in December. And uh, from there, yeah, I guess it's to fight it federally, but uh, also look at some of these other smaller issues. Uh, obviously, the ultimate goal is to to seek the legalisation of nicotine, uh, but at the same time, uh, there are a lot of other issues in the industry as well, and a, a, a body like um, the ARA um, backing it uh, should definitely give it some, some momentum. Because uh, yeah. you guys have been hard up against it at, at different times, the, the kind of vaping retail industry. Now, I know a lot of the owners are, are, are ex-smokers and are in it because they're really passionate about helping people to quit smoking. Um, but the government hasn't really been very supportive when it comes to, you know, operating what is a legal business. Yeah, so uh, if I wind the clock back to uh, 2016, 2017, when they changed the laws in Victoria, um, I I started this business because I was uh, an ex-smoker. I wanted to to take this as a new career path, and uh, all of a sudden I'm flung into, I guess legislation changes um yeah i went to my first protest never went to a protest in my life but here i was standing on parliament steps um yeah it was a bit amateurish uh but yeah i guess part of part of uh, i guess uh, a vape vendor's job in australia is that yeah there is that advocacy side um promoting i guess using these devices in a safe manner but also pushing for for better change better uh, better access to these products as well. Hey, Stu, as um, a representative of the retailers of vape, and as we've heard, the perception of uh, vape retailers is that they're just stooges for the tobacco industry. How is it playing uh, playing bad guy? <laughs> Do you have to? Yeah, so or, when I mean... you, sometimes when you write letters, well, you know, when I've had to write letters or I've met a politician, you know, you do get that vibe like we're puppets for big tobacco, but... Um, I'm just a guy who started a business uh, in his garage, packing orders, and yeah, I've got five shops across Melbourne. Um, no, none of the products that I sell have any level of involvement from uh, big tobacco, whether it be PMI, British Tobacco, 
um, all the other guy, all the other guys they're, they're not here. What do, they're what, not pulling strings here. I'm not a puppet. What do you have to do to uh, convince people otherwise? Because people are, uh, I've noticed that people are very stubborn about this point uh, because it happened once in the in the 1970s and happened prolifically. The tobacco industry was up to its. Uh, up, up to it, and uh, and I guess it's, it makes sense for people to not trust it. But I mean, it makes it difficult for for the vaping for the vaping industry, which is largely small businesses, as you say. Yeah, uh, yeah, where a lot of those are just small business operators, uh, which a lot of governments are trying to promote, um, small medium businesses. Um, yeah, but we've been kind of given the stigma from, I guess, the past and you know the nineties when. Uh, the big tobacco companies sort of put their hands up and went, oh, yeah, we kind of knew we knew for a while that this was all kind of killing people and causing uh, sickness. And that's where things like uh, in the US, there was the, uh, the the agreements put in place where certain states got money from tobacco sales. Um, yeah, it's, we, we, we kind of tarnished. And that's just how smokers are treated in Australia in general. Um, oh, let's just put the tax up. But none of that money actually gets used to to help them. But they're a great cash cow. So with the new um, retail industry body, have you started to see a, a shift in, in trying to meet with different politicians and, you know, get get your emails or anything like that answered? Has it, has it changed yeah, your ability uh, to advocate? I, I think so, because when I've actually... If, the, the industry's tried on its own back to create such a body, but we just don't know all the ins and outs of these types of bodies, uh, and they've ultimately failed in the past. And having, I guess, the IRA nurture it and they're using their resources and contacts. Uh, I know I've met some uh, state politicians, and when I've mentioned that it's not just a bunch of vendors sitting around going, yeah, let's create association, let's just do it on a napkin, it's actually got some backing from the ARA. Right off the bat, they're like, "Oh, that's they're a serious body." Um, I've maybe worked, had some interaction with them in the past on general retail issues, so it definitely carries some weight to it. And uh, I, I think that actually helps get in and across to people. And um, just in terms of being a, a store owner. For people that are listening and might be interested in getting into vaping, what can you tell them about um, going to a vaping store? What should what what would they what would you like people to know? Uh, look, I guess uh, I think most of the stores, and uh, I know people in I know people who operate businesses all over the country. I think they 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 feel that they are running. Um, they are selling these products because a they're passionate, but they also want their customers to to know everything they need to know to simply just make an informed decision. Is this right for me? And and offer that help and guidance. And, uh, yeah, I guess we are kind of a little bit like that. Uh, consultant, in a way, sometimes customers have issues. Um, yeah, um, yeah, I guess that, that level of service is what bridges the gap um, a bit and, and sometimes helps people. Oh, oh, it just didn't work one day, so I just threw it in the bin, bought a packet of cigarettes. Oh, well... Maybe it's just a simple issue. Oh, look, you hadn't turned it on. Um, <laughs> That's... You'd be surprised, yeah. but as a really basic example, sometimes customers buy a device and they've forgotten how to turn it on and off and they just think it's dead, so they just went, ah, 
mm, I'm just going to buy a pack of cigarettes and they come in and you sort of go, hey, look, um, oh, look, has it been charged? Has it been turned on? Oh, look, you're back in business. So There's, there's a number of issues that can come up. Hey, Stu, we're just about out of time, so we've just got to wrap up there, but thank you very much uh, for joining us. Uh, just quickly, a website for people to visit. Oh, wickamwireco.com.au um, or just, yeah, um, yeah, check us out. Thank you very much, Stu. This is It's Psychedelia on 3CR. We've got about one minute left for some wrapping up thoughts. Um, John, uh, have you, I don't know, like you're going on this journey to learn about vaping and tobacco in Australia. It seems like the more you learn, the less sense it makes. I mean, I mean that's getting older, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, no the, more, the more fascinating it gets, the deeper you get into it. So, yeah, if anyone's got any kind of cool inside goss, you know, uh, just contact me on social media or I've got a, I've even got a, an, I've got an email, Puff Piece. Puff yes. Piece at Proton. Proton Mail. Dot, yes. We'll, dot com. we'll share that little uh, infographic uh, of you again uh, that's got the email address on there and your social media details. So if you do have stories, John is looking for stories. So and I am, contact. yeah, I'm interested in the illicit cigarette trade too, if anyone, Ooh. you know. Mm. is selling any, anything out of their boot at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so get in contact. We will share that information on social media. If you've been watching along on Facebook, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, please leave us some feedback because we want to know um, how it looks because uh, um, I want to try and get this a little bit better. It takes a long time and I'm, I'm sure there's still things breaking. Um, also, uh, don't have a way to attach things to that tripod. But... Um, it's radio and now it's video and I don't know what's going on. It's the future. Um, thanks for joining us today. Um, don't forget to um, unplug your book when you plug in your, uh, your cigarette um, and enjoy your afternoon. Find out heaps more about vaping, by the way. Athra especially has a lot of good we- uh, resources, athra.org.au. Um, and we've also got some uh, interesting interviews from the years if you just look up uh, vaping under the podcasts on In Psychedelia. Uh, Queering There is up next with some uh, interesting stuff. Um, Ash, you've got two seconds. Yep. Don't forget to sign the Legalised Vaping Senate campaign to get vaping legalised in Australia. <laughs> Queering There up next. See ya. Comments, complaints or contributions are welcome. Jump on the 3CR website. 3cr.org.au and head to the Encyclopedia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter or send us an email. Encyclopedia does not condone or condemn people who use drugs for their choices. Our aim is to present the diverse intersections of psychoactive drugs and society. If you are concerned about your own drug use or a friend's drug use, DirectLine provides a free and confidential counselling service 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Call 1-800-888-236. In Psychedelia, we'll be back on 3CR from 2pm next Sunday. This has been a 3CR podcast. You can hear In Psychedelia Live every Sunday from 2pm. Head to 3cr.org.au for more.